I haven't been here for a couple of weeks. So it's, I wasn't supposed to be here today either, but that was too long. <laughs> so Matthew got the morning off of sitting in for me and uh, it feels really good to be back. A couple of weeks ago, we had a, it was sort of this annual fundraiser that we do for the monks in the monastery that we <clears throat> helped build out in White Salmon. And it's a big community celebration. We spent a year planning it. Um, and the, the proceeds of it go to sort of typically, you know, the, the cost of living to have the monks out there, but also um, any kind of monastery building that's happening. So uh, we just finished a new kind of abbot's kuti or abbot's hut. And now we're building this, um, this new building. <clears throat> so far, it's called the um, Elders Retreat House, or something like that. Uh, <clears throat> names are important, so we're taking a long time to name it. <laughs> uh, but right now, uh, it's the Elders Retreat House. And uh, what it will be eventually, hopefully, is a place for elder monastics in our tradition to come stay for a period of time. So um, like uh, Longpore Passano, he's now, this year is his 50th year as a monk. He's getting, you know, up there. <laughs> And he's no longer the abbot down at the monastery that we are affiliated with in California. He can travel around, you know, <clears throat> visit other people, stay other places. And um, so it would be lovely, for example, to have a place like this to uh, extend to um, monastics in our tradition that uh, need a little extra care or love or help uh, a vacation, maybe. <laughs> I'll have to cut that out later. <laughs> Sabbatical is probably the, the proper term. I'm not sure you ever actually get a vacation uh, as a monastic, but uh, there are important times of rest and renewal for everyone, especially um, monastics uh, who have been really living this life in such a way for this many, this many years. And we're getting to, you know, the Theravada Thai forest tradition is relatively new in the West. Um, and the, the pioneer monastics of it uh, are somehow all still alive. <laughs> yeah. So Ajahn Sumedho is gonna be celebrating 90 years this next summer and uh, you know, like I said, um, Longpur Passano is, he's 50 years in robes and a number of the other um, sort of early monks in this tradition, early monks and nuns in the West, out of this kind of Thai forest tradition, they're in their 70s, 80s, 90s, <clears throat> 60s, maybe. Uh, and so places where they can stay, there are plenty of places in Thailand 
you know, that will take care of a monk or a nun until they die. But the West is different. You know, it's expensive <laughs> to take care of somebody till they die <laughs> here, you know, and we're not um, all that um, practiced in caring for our elders here, and especially in this tradition, because we haven't had any. We just have them now. This is brand new. It's an interesting boat to be um, building and sailing at the same time. <clears throat> the new building, you know, it's going to be quite lovely. It'll, it, it's two stories. It has a reception kind of hall, like that, not this size. It's more like the size of a small house. Reception hall, place to meditate, a little kitchenette, um, a room for the elder monastic, and then a room for their attendant. You know, when you get to be a certain age, <laughs> having an attendant, <laughs> it's quite helpful. You know, someone who can live there with you, who can um, help you, you know, get your food or get to the restroom or get downstairs or get to the main area. <clears throat> it can bring things to you. Uh, so I quite like this, that there is, you know, a, a typical uh, hut in our tradition is a one room, you know, eight by six or whatever it is. It's where you sleep. It's where you meditate. Uh, but this is um, really an elder's retreat house. It's a place where elders in our tradition can stay for periods of time while being assisted, assisted living, as you will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's... Um, I think parts of it will be ADA accessible. I'm not exactly sure <clears throat> if it all will be, but it will be easier to access and navigate than say just your run of the mill kind of home of the same size. <clears throat> so it's interesting to, to think about building this, you know, financing it one, but um, also just um, the intention behind it is so sweet and so special uh, and so kind and so generous. Uh, it's hard to even imagine um, seeing this project come to fruition and the good that it will bring to the elders in our tradition, but also to the community that's formed around this monastery in White Salmon. It's really forward thinking, <clears throat> I think. Oh, Ajahn Sudanto's idea, you know, I just, I just throw the party every year, <laughs> along with a lot of your help, actually. <clears throat> um, you know, but the Buddha, um, in, in our tradition, we have this framework of the heavenly messengers. The, the heavenly messengers, the, 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 these signs that bring to our attention what is useful to contemplate. Um, so sickness is a heavenly messenger, seeing someone who's sick, you know, kind of brings up this potential, uh, really useful reflection, contemplation on what could happen to one's own body eventually, uh, but also what 
is happening all around us, what might need care and attention, whether it's our friends or family, you know, pets, elders, teachers, uh, community members. Uh, but sort of beyond that, kind of the, the super mundane uh, contemplation is the contemplation of one's own uh, trajectory. We had a monk here recently. Uh, he's very soft-spoken, typically um, very sweet monk, Ajahn Kurnadamo. Uh, but he's, he was talking about, this was his topic, old age, sickness, death, and death. Uh, and he said, well, you know, it's basically a conveyor belt <laughs> that we're on. Like it only goes one direction. <laughs> and you have to laugh, right? Or you cry your eyes out, really. And I think we do both. <laughs> But so seeing someone who's sick can help us remember that we too are on the conveyor belt, that everybody is. And that's a way that we can connect with other people's suffering, even when they're making us angry, or even when they've treated us poorly, or even when we don't know them at all, we're connected in this way. <clears throat> there is one monk in our tradition who would start his talks by saying, you know, uh, welcome friends in old age, sickness and death. <laughs> welcome friends, brothers and sisters in old age, sickness and death. <clears throat> As a reminder that we might all be different from each other, but we're pretty fundamentally the same uh, in terms of the, the life cycle. <clears throat> so sickness and then seeing uh, someone who is aging. So, you know, creating um, a house like this, a retreat house is inviting that directly into the community, you know, inviting people to come in contact with someone who is aging, someone who is old, older. Uh, someone said along for Pasana recently, well, you, you know, I guess you're getting older. And he said, I'm getting old. <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> I'm old. So inviting us to look at our own future, you know, to look at the, uh, where the conveyor belt is heading, you know, and to look around us and see where we can lend a hand, you know, in turn, you know, to people who are just ahead of us, who are um, just on their way, you know, who just, uh, uh, who might need a little bit extra help because they're older or even old. <laughs> How can we help? How can we lend a hand? How can we draw near? I, I grew up um, going to, uh, assisted living places, you know, all the time, because my mom loves the old people. <laughs> and so we would visit her aunts and uncles, you know, we'd visit um, my grandma when she moved into a place. Every time we go back, we visit my grandma, my kids and I visit my, and my husband, we visit my grandma numerous times at the place where she's living. And people always tell us, you know, it's so unusual to see kids here. So unusual to see kids here. And my kids are just running the place. You know, they know where to find the cookies. <laughs> they
they know where to find, you know, the friendly people, they know where to find the billiards. They all have billiards. No, they're kind of fun places if you can get into it. And <laughs> if they let you in, <laughs> you're bound to have, you know, something to do. <clears throat> but my kids love these kind of places because they're like big mansions, you know, and usually there's cookies or something to drink somewhere. So that's all you need, really, kids. They just want what they want, you know, get it from anyone. But they didn't grow up being afraid of elderly people. I didn't grow up being afraid of elderly people uh, because that was where my mom's attention was. And my, uh, my grandma, when, I don't know, she's in her 70s or something, after she retired, she used to work at, um, God, what did she do? She volunteered making pies at the VFW or something for the old people, she'd say, well, I got to help the old people. I was like, Grandma, <laughs> you should relax. <laughs> You're in your 70s. She's like, well, the old people need pies. <laughs> I'm like, you know, they do, Grandma. That's, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy it. My grandpa was the same way. He did, um, he retired in his 50s or 60s or something. And then he did Meals on Wheels. So I don't know if you're familiar with Meals on Wheels, but he would drive, you know, food around to the old people. Well, the old people need food. You know? So he'd take me around and they'd all give me candy. And that's how you teach kids to love elderly people. <laughs> We're just like puppies. <laughs> a treat? You have a treat? <laughs> but people are so delighted, you know, to see me as a little kid. And people are so delighted to see my kids, you know, when we go to Edgewood to visit my grandma. Um, and then my kids soak up that delight, just like I soaked up that delight. Oh, they love me. Why? Because I'm here. That's why. You know, that's it. That's all it takes. <clears throat> and um, death, of course. You know, if we're, if we're really going to talk about this conveyor belt, <laughs> death is the third you know, heavenly messenger. So it's something that we can witness, that we can be a part of, that we can stand next to, that we can um, help shepherd in some cases. And it can give rise to a profound reflection on our own mortality, on our own ability to be present, on our own ability, of course, to let go. This is the main thing that we're learning from death is to let go, to let go of the people around us, to let go of our own body, to let go of the way th we think things should be, to recognize we're moving in a direction um, and to gracefully follow, gracefully carry on in that direction. Before I was a Buddhist, I guess, uh, one of, I, I, I say, or I think of this experience with death as one of my early Buddhist experiences, even before I knew what Buddhism was. My grandpa died when I was relatively young, 19 or something, 25 years ago. And, um, oh, so I was older than 19. <laughs> I was young. 
not that young. And uh, he was quite beloved by his family. And he, he died at home. He had been on hospice. <clears throat> and at the, at the very end of his life, he was on quite a bit of morphine and all that, you know, as we do. So he was just kind of in and out of consciousness. Uh, but um, the whole, my whole family was there in his house, my aunts and my uncles and my parents and my cousins and even some friends, you know, partners, um, anybody who had a connection to the house, you know, but mostly family just came to hang out, came to sit, you know, in the living room. And then we would take turns going to visit with my grandpa. So when you had your turn, then you came back out to the living room and somebody would go in, have a talk, have a turn. And uh, I don't remember this, but my mom says that she, she popped in during my turn and I was like laying on his bed, like feet to head, you know, just <laughs> hanging out just with my grandpa as I would, you know, being ridiculous, the oldest granddaughter, taking up all the space. Here I was in my 20s, so I should have, could have had a little more dignity, but I didn't. And we just, I just talked to him, you know. And then when I had enough of talking to him, I went out into the living room and just went on, I don't remember, a day or two or hours. And then he died in the house with everybody there. And then he was taken away and all the things. Um, but that was a, for me, that was a profound sort of um, contemplation on how it could be. It's kind of perfect. It was kind of beautiful. Uh, it was kind of aspirational. You know, it made me at an early age want to live my life in a way that people would hang out in my living room while I was dying in the bedroom. <clears throat> I'm not there yet, but I think, you know, once I got on this sort of Buddhist path, I realized that oh, this is, this is it. This is a path to a good death. Maybe it's macabre, but really we need a path to a good death because we're on a path anyway. So I started to think of this practice eventually as um, a path to a good death rather than a path to a good life. Same thing, really. <clears throat> and then the, um, well, I guess just one other thing and another early kind of Buddhist moment, a little bit opposite of that. My aunt, great aunt, great great aunt, maybe Ethel. <laughs> she was in a home most of the time that I knew her and we visit her all the time. And, um, and then my grandpa's sisters, we visit them. And my aunt Ethel at one point was losing her eyesight or she had completely lost it. And I asked her how that was, you know, I was very, didn't know when to keep my mouth shut, you know, and I thought it was very interesting how Buddhists were all interested in everything. I said, what was that like losing your eyesight? That's so interesting. You know, what's it like living like that now? She's 90, she'd always had her eyesight. And she said, well, it's terrible. It's awful. I hate it. I'm done. You no, know, like she'd had it. 
And that was how my, my grandpa's sister was like that too. I've had it. I wish I was done. So hearing that from an elderly person was another way to, you know, kind of give rise to that reflection. And what does that mean to be done, to feel done, to want it to be done? I don't know, you know, I'm not there yet. I describe getting older as uh, lately, I've been describing it as being just a little bit disoriented all the time. <laughs> like I can't really see that well, it's, you know, when I was a kid, you know, kind of looking at, like I really have to trust <laughs> that what I'm eating <laughs> safe <laughs> isn't expired. You know, I can't read <laughs> what's on the back of the package. I can't hear that well. I'm uh, doing my best, but I don't want to, um, I don't want to, I'm hoping to not come to a place where all of that becomes so frustrated that I'm angry and I'm done. And so this, this Buddhist practice is giving me an opportunity to uh, have a little fun with it. You know, be curious, notice what's going wrong <laughs> and take practical steps toward being happy in spite of it all. Uh, we can do that, you know, we can notice, we can get a little space on our bodies. Like I was talking about in the guided meditation, we can look at them a little bit objectively. Like I have these spots, does anyone have spots? You know, <laughs> there's spots all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm like a chocolate chip, you know, <laughs> hands, <laughs> it's weird. But it happens, you know, and I know it's ridiculous. Who cares? But you just notice, you know, what's, go what's that about? What's going on there? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Put it away. <laughs> we can notice. Have a sense of humor. Rely on our friends, you know. Bake pies for old people. Like whatever it takes to sort of um, help each other along on that conveyor belt is first of all seeing it seeing it uh, as what's really happening and then helping each other along and then just the fourth heavenly messenger is uh, the site of a samana so for me coming in contact with these monks coming in contact with the nuns in our tradition seeing people uh, live and uh, respond to this conveyor belt, you know, in a way uh, with real uh, dignity and kindness and compassion and uh, decorum and composure and open receptivity and brightness and energy. Now, there's nothing like a good model for living. And you know, we all have our examples, like my grandpa's death or my aunt's uh, blindness, you know. What these are pointing the way, what we want, what we don't want. Uh, but it can be a really, you know, if, if, if it's your proclivity, it can be really um, uh, quite a good thing to come in contact with modern day examples of this kind of living. So, you know, it's a, it's a worthwhile contemplation, even when we're still young and beautiful and, you know, have our wits about us and <laughs> a 
especially while we still have our wits about us. I think I held up a spoon the other day and like said oven, you know, and Julia was like, oh, <laughs> you know, my daughter, oh, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's loud in here. <laughs> I don't know what this thing is anymore. You know, I hope I'm not like headed fast track down the hill. I've got, got this job to do here. I need to stay a little bit bright and organized and uh, intellectually sound for a few more years, but it all goes. No, it really does. Even just a little bit, it all goes. I tell, I tell my kids, I joke, you know, just like yesterday, I said to Julie, I was like, I hope you live here when I'm older so you can come up and make sure that stove is off every once in a while. And she's like, mom, you know, mom. I'm like, well, it's practical. <laughs> really, I'm gonna need a backup. <laughs> really, it's practical. So we think about what's practical prepare those around us, you know, rely on good people, have somebody read the ingredients or the expiration date, you know, circle the wagons. Oh, I need my people. And they're all here on the same conveyor belt. So it's not hard to find them either. Okay, that's enough, that's enough. Thank you for your kind attention. We have a we have a comment. Go ahead. Would you? Oh, I can read that. Go go ahead, Michael. <laughs> Did you bring your glasses? Let's see. I can read it because it's that far away. Let's see. <laughs> thinking about generous, beautiful, forward thinking for monastic elders. What a great opportunity to remember that PFOD has a founding elder that is retiring soon. It would be wonderful for us as a community to have generous, beautiful forethought for Sakula's aging process as well. I wonder what that might look like. Yes, yes. In our tradition, you know, monks have a place for life if they're doing the work, if they're in robes. But again, this is a boat that we're building and sailing, right? This is a lay center. This is where all of Sekulo's energy has gone for 25 years, where mine is now. So how do we take care of our elders, of our, the people holding the space for us? I think we're going to be continuing that conversation in a real serious way, aren't we, Stephanie? Yeah, yeah. 